Let me start by uh, dividing you all with some controversial opinions. Uh, the Liberal Party is the best political party in the whole world. The Greens are God's gift to politics. Anzac Day is the most sacred day in, in Australia and should be observed by all. Anzac Day glorifies war and should be ignored. Stopping the boats is a good policy that protects people. Stopping the boats is from Satan. Bacon is God's gift to humanity. Meat is murder. Social media and the internet more generally is a wonderful blessing that brings people together. I wish we could just unplug the internet and go back to 1984. I could go on and on and on, couldn't I, with all sorts of uh, opposing views strongly held by different people. Perhaps you found yourself agreeing and disagreeing with me strongly as I was uh, listing out uh, some of those alternate positions. And of course, uh, it only gets even more tricky in the world that we currently live in with opinions around how governments should respond to coronavirus and uh, what we think about vaccines and all these sorts of uh, things. How is it, as Christians, we're meant to live together in unity when we can have such different opinions about such a wide variety of things? Is it not the case that if you're a Christian, you, you should be of one mind on all matters? But that doesn't seem to match reality, does it? And in fact, uh, it, we know from personal experience and actually from what we read in the Bible as the, as the early church was developing, that Christians don't, often don't agree with each other on all sorts of issues. Often we think that our society is becoming more fractured and more divided of late, and perhaps it is. But since the beginning, Christians have had to work out how to live together well. You read the book of Acts, and it doesn't take long for there to be disagreements in the church. Disagreements over who's getting what food. Disagreements about how Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians should live Together, Christians since the very beginning have had to learn how to live well and how to manage their disagreements. And that is where Paul turns his mind in uh, our reading today. And uh, there's a little bit in Romans 15 as well that I'll touch on uh, uh, as we go through. But before we dive in, let's just remember where, where we are. We're in the book of Romans. This is a book that is designed to uh, teach us about the grace and mercy and love of God demonstrated in Christ Jesus, who though we were God's enemies, Romans 5 verse 10, God reconciled us to him through the death of his son, Jesus. That though we deserve death, the wages of sin is death, Christ Jesus paid that price so that we could have life eternal, not because of us, but because of what God has done for us 
in Jesus. And really Romans uh, verse chapters 1 through 11 is Paul's theology of the grace and mercy and love of God demonstrated in Christ Jesus. And then from uh, chapter 12 onwards, uh, we see it in the start of chapter 12 verse 1, therefore in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And what Paul is doing uh, as he rounds out the letter is, is applying the theological reality of the, the, the gospel, the mercy and love of God in Christ Jesus to different issues as they were coming up for the Roman church. And the issue, it seems, uh, that was partly presenting uh, for the Roman church here was those pesky vegetarians. Verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. Now, this is one of those verses that uh, is just enjoyable to have in the Bible. Uh, and as someone who eats meat, I often think about um, putting this on, like in, on a fridge magnet or something uh, and um, uh, reminding myself of how strong my faith must be as I fry up uh, some, some steaks uh, or uh, poking fun at uh, some of my friends who are vegetarian uh, and saying, don't worry, one day I'll, I'll help you grow stronger in your faith with this delicious steak over here. Now, of course, uh, I'm not going to do any of those things uh, because if I did behave like that, one, I think I'd be totally missing the point, but two, I'd certainly be missing Paul's next point which is how one is to, uh, to treat your brother and sister in Christ. The one who eats everything, verse 3, must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand." To behave uh, as sometimes my sinful mind uh, th thinks it might want to would be contemptuous, would be not treating the person like God tre treats them. And the reason why I uh, have to put up with my uh, brother or sister who thinks differently about food is because how you think about food, deciding what you eat, deciding what days are special if you go on and look in verses 5 and 6... These, Paul says, are not called gospel issues. These are disputable matters, as we heard in verse 1. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. And as we think about uh, Paul's instructions here, I thought it was actually important that we think about, well, what is a disputable matter? How, how do we know when something's sort of worth having a fight about and when something falls into this disputable matter category? Well, the first thing to say about that is that disputes do not make disputable matters. That's the first mistake people can make. So if I say, Jesus Christ rose from the dead to pay the price for our sins and you say no he didn't 
It's just a spiritual reality that is meant to inspire the good life. We're having a dispute about Jesus. But that is not a disputable matter. There are certain issues which are settled clearly by the Scriptures. A disputable matter is something where there is not a clear answer through a faithful exegesis or explaining of the Bible. And so really, if you think about the book of Romans, uh, just as a microcosm of that, the, the, the issues that Paul lays out about who Jesus is, about what the point of his life is, about the gospel. These things are fundamental. Paul wouldn't write here, if someone disagrees with me about what I've said in chapters 1 through 11, um, just put up with them. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you're struggling about which days are special and, and these sort of secondary issues, like figure out how to live in unity because there's base agreement on the gospel, on the main thing. So a disputable matter is not something about which there is a dispute. It's about something in, on which the Bible is not clear. So how do we know which is what? Well, thankfully, we're not alone in this Christian journey. And uh, the church has turned its mind to thinking about the clarity of Scripture and thinking about those things which are uh, clear and which aren't clear. And so as we seek to think, well, what is a matter on which I can agree to disagree with someone and yet still find unity in the core of the gospel, uh, the wisdom and history of tradition is helpful sitting underneath ongoing, clear, relevant exegesis or explanation of the scriptures. And so we have some things, don't we, that help us. We, we, we have the creed that we say. These are, are documents that Christians have worked on through time to sort out things that are and aren't disputable. As history has gone on, people have written confessions of faith. You might have heard of something like the Westminster Confession. These are things that people have tried to codify, things that are clear in Scripture. And for us as Anglicans... Generally speaking, we have some documents that kind of nail our theological culture. So this is kind of where we sit. This is what we uh, think is the clear teaching of Scripture. If you uh, ever happen to get hold of a prayer book, uh, and about three weeks ago you could have got one from the back, but I put them in a box because we weren't using them. But at the very back there's this thing called the 39 Articles. Um, which are back here somewhere. They're not the notes here, they are the Articles of Religion. And, and that's uh, one of our documents that tries to state what it is Anglicans believe makes the basis of our faith. The Book of Common Prayer, on which this is loosely based, uh, is uh, another document which sort of codifies uh, our belief about uh, what the scriptures are clear, 
clear on as do uh, a set of sermons that Cranmer and some of his friends wrote, who was kind of the, the founding bishop of the Anglican Church. And even in more recent times, as there have been issues and disputes over other matters, the Anglican Church has had a go. And so there's a document you can Google called the Jerusalem Declaration, which kind of sets out, roughly speaking, uh, the simple core basics of the Christian faith. Christians will disagree about all sorts of things, but we must first have agreement on what is the fundamental or sometimes called the first order issue. These are around who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, based on the clear exegesis of Scripture as it's been understood uh, throughout time. And Christians though when they find themselves having a disputable matter like about eating vegetables or uh, observing special days or uh, some other dispute, how, how are you meant to decide? Well, Paul says to us here in this reading, you have to follow your conscience. So once we determine that an issue is disputable, what does Paul say, verse 5 and 6? One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. And then in verses 22 and 23, he talks about the need to be fully convinced. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So once we've figured out the foundations, and then we start moving into these disputable matters, should Christians be vegetarians? What should they think about observing special days? Uh, and a whole myriad of other issues. Uh, you need to be convinced in your conscience about these things and not act against that. And Paul talks more about this in, his other in one of his other letters, in 1 Corinthians 8, which is worth, uh, through 11, it's worth having a look at sometime. But whatever your view on an issue that is up for debate, it's really vital that you go with your conscience. Because to go against it is to go against God, says Paul. That is, in your heart, if you think it's wrong and you do it, even if it's not wrong, you're still doing what you believe to be a wrong thing. And it's the heart that matters. So we've got these core issues and then we've got these disputable matters which uh, we're called to follow our conscience on and we're called to be accommodating of others in these areas. Christians should welcome those who think different and be accommodating on areas of dispute. We see that, haven't we, in our reading? Accept the one whose faith is weak, verse 1. Uh, verses 7 to 9, 
Paul talks about how Jesus is Lord of all, regardless of whose faith, is, regardless of what their view is on some disputable matter. But how do we do that? Because there are lots of issues upon which people hold uh, very um, diverse views. Let's just take the issue of baptism, for example. Uh, There's sort of, roughly speaking, two views. There's probably a few more, but let's just go generally speaking. There's two views about when someone should get baptised, right? As a baby uh, and as an adult. And uh, you can hold different views about that. We're obviously Anglicans, so we have one view, which is that you should baptise babies but there are plenty of other people out there who think that's a silly idea and you should only baptise adults how are you meant to live together with these people how are we meant to go to the uh, combined prayer night on Thursday and pray with people who baptise adults when they should be baptising babies or um, who uh, think about some other issue differently to us which is why they're in part a totally different denomination because at some point in history people have separated over some issue that is not a core gospel issue but is a issue which people hold together, hold strongly. Or Paul gives some advice how to live with someone you disagree with. Firstly, he says, do so without contempt, verses 10 to 12. You then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. For every issue that your uh, brother or sister in Christ gets wrong you've probably got one as well that you don't know, that you hold equally uh, uh, firmly to, and it it was 50-50 according to the Bible, uh, but when we get to heaven, we're going to discover, you know what, we should have been only baptising adults. Uh, That was the right decision all along. Now, that's clearly not what's going to happen when we go to heaven, uh, let let me just say, but let's imagine that is what happens when we go to heaven. Uh, You know... That's okay, we're allowed to have a dispute because the scriptures are not totally clear. But we're going to get found out one day and we're going to be found wrong on a whole variety of issues because we have sinful minds and uh, we, we make mistakes. And so, though the scriptures are clear on what is a core issue, when we get to these secondary issues, we need to treat others with love and grace and mercy because... That's at the core of our faith, of the gospel. We treat others too, not only without contempt, but without judgment, verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. We're called to seek peace and edification in verses, uh, verse 19 and in chapter 15, verse 7. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 7, accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And again in chapter 15, we're called to be other person focused. 
We who are strong, start of verse 15, uh, chapter 15, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. For this is what Christ did. Verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who you insult have fallen on me. We're going to find ourselves disagreeing about all sorts of things. And when we do, we must respond in a gospel-centred way. We must seek the good of others. We must hold each other with love, without contempt, without judgment, seeking peace, seeking to build one another up in the faith, focusing on the needs of others. And, of course, this all feels very hard, and so Paul uh, says in chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, to seek his help and empowerment as we live in a, in a world where we will have disagreements about all sorts of things. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's seek God's help as we seek to live together, even when we disagree on a disputable matter. Mm -hmm.